Okay, Catan's loading an extras load today, boys. I also, in the browser, I can never buy development cards. That happened to me last night. I was just like, you should, you should. I was silently so frustrated. You should just play on the app. That's well, what does I do. gay bar work with it? You told me not to. Did I tell you not to? Why? Yeah, yeah I don't know. You're playing Seafarers? Hey, expansion yeah. looks kind of cool, so they brought something, maybe. Oh, at expansion. Hey, we always play Seafarers. I see person taste just hanging. So they spent more time on design. Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, how are you, Yuan? I am good. Good. Put me off guard. <laughs> by the seafarers. They made it cheaper, but for that, first I have to buy Catan. <laughs> Oh yeah, FYI, we, like me and Rithik figured out how to like edit this video, um, but and we exported one thing and it's like ready, but it's desync by five seconds, so we have to do it again. But it's all good. Yeah, I saw this as an absolute win. We used the software, yeah. we had no idea how to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do we have a, a YouTube account for this? Sorry? We have to have... Okay, wait. First of all, I got it. Wow. Yon, can you speak you buy this stuff? louder? I can speak okay, louder. Yes. Okay, thank this you. Better. This is much better. I know you didn't okay, do anything, cool. but I just increased my volume. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to help. Dude, I was about to say it's the exact same. <laughs> wait, am I supposed to buy? Yeah. Okay, I got it. Okay, wait. Okay, wait. Rohan, say something. Editing. Hello. This is my podcast volume. Okay, this good. Got them. Say something. You buy seafarers. Okay. Uh, Ewan, can you say something? Hello, I'm on the game. Okay, this is good. No, I'm I'm dropped. And I got kicked. Yeah. Classic. Yeah, we got a spin. Wait. Someone recording? Can we record? Okay, so before we didn't put the didn't put the the stupid stuff, so us trying to get in, but not able to get in. And the rest of the podcast? Uh, not the rest of the podcast with quality stuff, I think. Okay. Right, I'm trying to get in. It just keeps recording. Okay, I'm, I'm hosting everyone. Okay. Wait, are you doing it? Nice. No, we're in. No, no, sorry. Uh, <coughs> do you want me to record? Uh-huh. No, I'm already recording. Wait, I need to, like, sync up the audio and the video can yeah. you for leave, a second? Leave Craig. Leave Craig. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna click on Okay, how do I do this? Okay, I'm gonna sync up audio now. Okay. That should work in the editing. So I clicked on the thing. Whatever. Just clap. Clap. We always clap or with production. We could have just redone it, but sure. Yeah. Thank you. Bro, I swear to God, if, if it happens first try. Oh, oh my you. God. Oh my God. They're impressed. watching. They know we're publishing this. See, there we go. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wait, dude. 
All right, take it away, humans. Oh, yeah, it's me. Wait, no, it's Goblin. No, take it away as in start. Oh. Introduce the topic. Oh, okay, cool. Great. So I chose the topic of diet because uh, I believe since high school, we've all had different ideas about diet, and now it's it's either changed or branched into other things. I know Gautam is really um, health and fitness oriented. I kind of am too. I know Ritik cares a lot about the environment, so he has specific diet things. And Rohan, I know you've always been into really good food, so I think diet is a really cool topic for this group of people. Um, yeah, should I should I start talking about it, or does everyone want to give a bit of a, an intro first? You know what, I'll say something. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. And it was a really good topic, especially because uh, Rohan here is still not vegan. So my goal oh, for the podcast goodness. is to make him vegan. Hey, yes. Rohan, what's wrong with you? Yeah, where is everyone else? <laughs> eating vegan? meat, dude. Says, well, Gotham's also eating I don't think I don't think anyone else is Rohan. <laughs> wow, I'm so scared <laughs> together. I was like, wow, I'm actually going to have to go vegan here again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, phew. Um, Everyone else tries, okay? Yeah, well, I mean, like, my roommate at UW, like, in college, was vegan, and, like, he seemed to be, like, it doesn't seem, like, all right, very manageable for him, so, um, I mean, yeah, I, I'd, I'd totally consider it. Yeah, dude, it's it was, like, the easiest change I have ever made in my life. Um, Ritik had been badgering me about meat eating maybe like all of last semester and then just one day I didn't have meat just accidentally I was like see happy I'm not having meat today and then it just kind of became like a streak and then yeah it's like since November I just kind of stopped eating meat I had like two or three times that I ate either game meat or steak tartare in South Africa just because I was there but other than that it's been just completely vegan and it's been really nice it's just like it's the easiest change i've ever had to make as you can see Ewan cares a lot about my opinion <laughs> it's really about impressing me that's it <laughs> yeah i think I, i'm sure everyone has uh wait no there was a documentary i think i think that's what that's how i kind of wanted to game changes okay. yeah, yeah wow. uh I know so many people who went vegan because of that. Yeah, yeah, and it was really impressive, man. Power oh, was Ritik, Ritik, Ritik. Sorry. Did I expect? Oh yeah, of course, man. <laughs> that was a good spot. There was yeah, nowhere else. Okay. Um, yeah, sorry. Someone was saying. Sorry, I'm just a bit distracted. Can. Yeah, so we I was talking about yeah that documentary and have you watched it, Rohan? I have not watched it, but I've heard great things, honestly. Yeah, and um I think you should definitely watch it. It's definitely um like a it's changer. Have you watched the the meat video by Kurt Kusato? Oh yes I have. Yeah. So and they cite a lot of sources, so I think so I I thought you I kinda assumed that you'd watched the documentary because it was really famous um but yeah that that video also really um it's really it's really good and it really shows about how 
how uh, how much effect does uh, being vegan have on on the environment, and that's why that's why I think it's really important for for mm-hmm. like climate and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Climate's like that would probably be like the one thing that tips it in my favor because mm, I don't know, like. I, I like I personally kind of lean towards like minimized red meat kind of a strategy because um, like eating chicken only chicken and fish it like gets you pretty close to being like vegetarian levels of carbon emission but like mm. once you make the jump to vegan a lot of the like protein substitutes like aren't as like environmentally friendly as just like normal veget a normal vegetarian diet would be. Um, Oh, I've never heard about this. Soy, yeah. well, soy I farms mean, cause a lot of damage, actually. They, they strip nutrients from the soil, making it, like, unusable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so clear, like, large plots of land in the Amazon yeah. to plant soy. Yeah. And then once the, once the season's over, you can't use that ground for a long, long time. But, like, I'm sure, like, the carbon emissions from, like, the milk and dairy industry is still, like, insane. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, the yeah. dairy industry is definitely carrying it, and as as like a person who's grown up eating dairy like a lot, like almost yeah every day definitely it's really hard for me too. Oh, uh, it's really hard for me too. Like giving up cheese, yeah, is hard. Yeah, like but like yeah. you know, you guys know I'm anti, I'm in the anti milk camp. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, that that's one but, of the things from high school that I remember. Yeah, yeah. I remember it's like like I'm, I'm just like update on my health. I'm like doing well. I haven't been drinking milk milk for like a couple years now. Like I'm doing well. I'm feeling good. Um, like above average height for like my ethnicity and like I don't know. Just come mm-hmm. at me, Alma. Come at me, Grandma. You can't. <laughs> you can't the... Yeah, they even had a video about milk as well and. That was that was really interesting as well because it's yeah yeah because it's 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 pretty much it's good power in like I want to say cheap like cheap as in um not just consumer wise but cheap as in uh easy to easy to consume yeah well you still need the cows for the milk right and all those yeah. cows still make yeah. thing. yeah yeah. Um, yeah. So, for the can we go to the the um the thing about the substitutes for um for protein um, for a vegan diet because it's totally true. Like you do need to supplement. I have like two scoops of protein powder every day, but it's mm-hmm. not soy protein powder. Um, and I don't. So yeah, I hadn't heard about this um the thing about the vegan protein powders being harmful for the environment, but. I do definitely know that soy farms, like that's, it's a, soy is kind of like a, uh, how can you say, it's a, it's a dominant species on our planet and stripping away resources because we think it's important. So it's, it's using us and it's spreading like crazy and it's just, it's not good for the soil. It's not a good long-term solution. Um, but the thing is, um, soy farms are also used to feed um, livestock. So um, I've, I've heard this in a lot of, and a lot of discussions about like veganism and stuff, and they say that, yeah, okay, people who eat meat kill animals, but soy farms kill this many animals. But the thing is, like, 
not soy farms aren't just there to feed humans. Soy farms are there to feed the animals as well that feed um, that feed the humans. And it takes a lot more um, soy to feed an animal to then feed a human than it does to just um, feed the human with that soy. Um, but yeah, I for um, for hormonal reasons, I know that it's okay if you have less than 70 grams of protein. That's a number that I've heard from soy that it doesn't affect um, testosterone levels. But, um, but yeah, I use um, pea and brown rice protein. But I wonder if it's the same case um, for the, the stripping of the land. I wonder if you guys have heard anything about it. Well, like, hmm. it's like so hard to do this math because there's like, I don't know, there's a lot of variables, but pure speculation here. I feel like maybe not soy, but like a lot of like pea, you said, like legumes are, I know, like interplanted with soy are like, there's a, they show a, like a big improvement in like the soil's ability to retain its nutrients. Um, I like mean, if you switch sense. from soy to pea? No, you like legumes in general. If you like plant it in soy fields or you like rotate with legumes, they like mm. enrich, they kind of like replenish the soil. Right, um, right, 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 right. I've heard about this kind of farming. Yeah. Um, a large part of, a big part of um, soy agriculture is actually just to feed animals. Yeah. It's very little of it is actually. Um, for human consumption, mm-hmm. but what ends up happening is they just have to have to strip bare like huge plots of land, places like the Amazon, to grow enough protein, soy, to feed their cows and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess like the livestock industry is probably like in terms of food and the environment. That's probably the first place we want to start. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's that's definitely well. Even from also one more thing for honestly, it's probably the worst. Well, yeah, chicken, for sure. I'm not sure actually. The poultry industry is quite bad. It's, it's all quite bad. For sure. <laughs> Do you guys see parallels between um, factory farming and the um, the open markets that they have in in like China and around the world? I guess. Like uh, like how? Just in a lot of animals being close together and mm-hmm. it being a, a breeding ground for diseases. I actually don't know. So I was curious if, if that's something that's that exists. Well, in China, um, wait, sorry, could you repeat that? So uh, a lot of people have been saying that factory farms that exist in the Western world are similar to the open markets that they have in China and that there's a lot of animals that are close together and that that's a breeding ground for diseases. But then how would the disease transfer from, uh, I guess, we consume the animals and then that's how we get the disease or do the farmers in the factory get the disease? Well, anyway, right? Um, Just the, the... the, the, the issue isn't about how it transmits, but yeah. about how, how, if it can be created by that same kind of practice. Hmm. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, in factory farming, uh, don't they use antibiotics and stuff to prevent mm-hmm. 
spread of these kind of diseases. I feel like the wet markets in China are a lot more um, unregulated. Yeah, that and like wild, right? Like they're pulling animals like straight out of the wild. Mm-hmm. It's it's like all these different animals are all in close contact with each other. It's not like a bunch of chickens just like you know, with each other. It's like you have chickens, ferrets. That's like all these animals that are notorious for carrying diseases mm. with animals that are like commonly consumed, right? Right. I, I'm not sure if, if like you can draw parallels between the two. Yeah, but um, there's still super bugs, right? That can be formed due to antibiotics. Oh, yeah, that's about it. Definitely, definitely. I don't think viruses and stuff, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I guess superbugs aren't as common to mutate. Is that the right word? Yeah. I'm not sure about how, how much they mutate compared to viruses. Uh, yeah. It's definitely one, one of the things that, that appeals to me about about the vegan diet is the fact that, well, it is that it feels kind of futuristic. It feels like mm-hmm. um, we're not we're not pumping all these resources into an animal to to consume the animal because because we could just we find new ways to consume the vegetables. Like if you look at alternative meats, or if you just look at like recipes that just eat vegetables it just seems like a it seems like a cleaner way to do things and it feels futuristic to me always um, and i don't know if i can i can completely convey that but i definitely have this feeling that eating from animals is like an a, an old world kind of way of living and like if if we have mars missions and stuff like i don't think we'll be sending animals up there for a while like it'll first just be growing plants and then living off of that and if oh, we go to mars mm-hmm. yeah sorry sorry to interrupt but we can send fishes right fish to mars? With, yeah with hydroponics Ooh, just I've like heard of that. Yeah. that sounds cool yeah i think i think that's i think that's definitely something that they have thought about hmm. and i think fishes are like i don't know if eggs can be Fish eggs? Do fishly eggs? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I <don't. laughs> You can clearly tell I'm not done by you in a long time. Fishly eggs. Um, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So, their eggs can be uh, transported and with hydroponics because that's how they'll grow crops, right? And yeah. fishes will just be there. That sounds cool. So fish definitely, and I think fish is also like really, really low pollutant, right? Compared to anything, any other meat, right? Right. Well, yeah. we don't have to farm fish. That's the thing. So we don't have to like set up a farm like we do with cows, and then and then farm the fish because there are fish. Farms. Yeah. Right? There are fish farms. Right. And yeah, there are, but. Most of the fish, I mean, I don't know if it's most, but I'm guessing a lot of fish we get from, from the oceans. And the 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 damage there isn't in the f- having the fish, it's in taking away the fish and then the ecosystems dying um, from not having those fish in their natural environment. 
I think the return on investment from eating an animal is a lot less than eating a plant. Is to eat an animal, you have to eat that animal until it grows old enough, like big enough to eat. Mm -hmm. Whereas with the plant, you get a lot more energy um, just eating a plant. Because I don't know if you guys know, but as you move up in trophic levels, you lose about 90% of the energy. So you go from producer to a consumer to a secondary consumer to a tertiary consumer. Each time, only 10% of the energy is transferring up a trophic level. Damn. Which is why nothing eats a lion, right? That's because it's just not efficient to eat something like a lion. You just wouldn't get enough energy from eating like a lion, right? So that's why all food chains stop around tertiary consumer. My point okay. is, mm -hmm. eating a plant is like the most efficient way of eating energy-wise. Yeah, that's why it seems kind of futuristic to me as well, because it's just more efficient. It's not wasting resources. Yeah. And certainly in Vogue, like, like vegetarian slash vegan restaurants are becoming a lot more popular and like the latest thing in food is kind of like the farm to table movement which is like a lot more vegetarian friendly i guess and, that, yeah. and that's great because like at the end of the day like consumption and cultural um and cultural factors play into where like where companies will invest and I don't know what gets consumed because like 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 Gotham says it it's like a lot less efficient to eat meat but because of cultural values and because of taste we've kind of decided that it's like worth it mm -hmm. yeah and would you guys think of, yeah would you guys think of the beyond meat stuff I think it's cool. I enjoy the taste. For, like, okay, let me just pull this up on my phone. Okay, okay, first of all, Beyond Meat as a protein replacement. You know what? I will take that deal, Gotham. I've heard, I've heard mixed things about Beyond Meat. And I don't know if they're true. Like that Beyond Meat is bad for the environment, bad for you. So, like, they add a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. I think sodium is more in a Beyond Meat patty than in a meat patty. I just, yeah, I just looked it up and it says it generates 90% less greenhouse gas emissions um, and 99% less water than um, beef. Okay. What about additives? Good night for them. I think so. I don't know. I have no idea. But it's, it's like... I kind of like like the direction this has gone in because so often mm. diet is like talked about in like a weight loss kind of sphere, which is which is like totally fine, but I mean, at the end of the day, this seems more consequential to me. Yeah, yeah. for sure. A anyways, like weight loss is definitely a it's a very um, like I guess infantile way of looking at. <laughs> it's funny. I wanted to call it weight loss again, but being healthy, like weight loss, is an infantile way of looking at health. Because um, I don't know if you guys watched The Office, but there was this one episode where they had to lose weight, and Kelly, Kelly, um, literally 
Like she just has like apple cider vinegar for three meals a day, and she swallows a uh, a tapeworm so that it eats all the food that's in her stomach. Because she just wants to lose weight, but that's obviously not the the right way to go because it's not going to be a sustainable weight loss. And anyways, the thing that people want when they want to be when they want to quote lose weight is that they want to look skinnier and they want to look leaner. And that comes from a lot of different things. Like you can build muscle and then look leaner if you do it in a certain way. You can get heavier and look leaner. Um, so the whole the whole weight loss thing it's it's really I think a lot of people sacrificed a lot of their health to lose weight. Um, yeah. And I think that's really unfortunate. I think an important thing to remember with weight loss is you're trying to lose, it's fat loss, right? You're not trying to mm-hmm. lose weight necessarily. You'd like to keep the muscle mass. The mm-hmm. muscle mass is what makes you look good. Mm-hmm. People who are going for that athletic look, I guess. And I think going vegan is like a pretty is like a solid step in that direction. You will lose fat. You can still keep your muscle. Do you remember in Game yeah. Changers, they were talking about mm-hmm. um, people who switched to the vegan diet, lost weight, or lost fat and weight, I guess, and um, able to continue losing weight, those who didn't gain all that weight back after the study was finished? Oh, I don't remember that, actually. Yeah, so it was, it was a study that they did. It was like a six-month study, maybe. And they had some people on vegan diets and some people on like regular American diets with meat, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they tracked their weight loss, and then they continued to track after the study was done. Uh, after the study finished, they saw that people who were on the vegan diet managed to keep losing weight, stay at like the weight they were at the end of the study, while those who were eating meat just eventually get ended up gaining all that weight back. Yeah, That's interesting. I wonder what the, the mechanism is there. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I can definitely give like anecdotal evidence where um where since I've switched like in November that um I've 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 become more muscular and um more uh lean. Which is which is weird because I actually didn't expect. I thought that this would have an effect on me building muscle, but it it's definitely made me more lean and and it 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 feels like I've I've gained muscle as well. Um, an interesting thing for for bodybuilders is that if you um sorry one sec, it's that if you if you eat like a closer to keto diet or like a, a a mixed diet, which has like your your meat, vegetables, and your carbs, like your protein, your your protein, your carbs, and your fats, and it's kind of mixed, then um, a lot of the times when people want to lose weight, um, the obvious thing is to cut carbs, and there's like there's reasons for that, um, like there's energy reasons and the interaction with um, fat and fat and carbohydrates together. There's reasons to cut out carbs if you want to lose fat. But the thing is, then you you're lacking a lot of energy in the gym. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that you can't go for that extra like two reps. You can't go for that extra rep, and 
then you're not going to build as much you're not going to build as much um, muscle and then so in the long run that's going to be really detrimental to your progress as a as a bodybuilder and as someone who wants anyone who wants to to build muscle um, so yeah this has been a huge thing for me where I've had more energy I've been able to lift more weight and um, I think that has transformed that has transferred into um, more more muscle building for me so the thing is as, as long as you get enough energy from any form and you get enough protein I, th I think your, your muscle building will be a function of how much you exercise and so for me the switch has been really beneficial yeah i mean like vegan's like totally doable but i don't know i guess like the question is how do we get rid of these like deeply entrenched like cultural i don't know ideas and values that like that's the key question to me because like i struggled with it myself like like yes ideally i would like to completely go off red meat but then there's like family you're like living in a but like what with other people there's like restaurants and stuff that have like limited selection and i, I guess it's just like me being lazy to a certain extent but like how do we create that kind of like large scale and at this point it has to be fast because we're running out of time like fast change and fast pivot to like mm. me being culture. well actually i think like school diet like school meals i think that's a really like that has so much untapped potential because if you get mm -hmm. kids used to a certain diet at school early then you can shape their diets over their entire lifetime and I think that's where America that's really is doing a really terrible job because they're just like taking all these corporate sponsorships and um, like selling out to like unhealthy foods and serving that to kids in school. But like you look at Japan, their school meals are a lot more curated. And as a result, there's just like a lot lower rates of obesity, a lot more just healthy in general, higher life, higher life expectancy. Wow. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. And it's also probably if you, um, it comes back to like the efficiency thing again. If you have, um, if you have students who are um, used to just eating plants, then and you, all the cafeterias are just using plant foods, and you don't need meat for them. That's like a huge saving because yeah. you don't need to farm all those animals. Exactly. That's really cool. But like, how do we do that? Like, I'm not sure how it works in other countries in the U.S. I suppose like the local school school board would do that. So it's hard to like influence all these tiny school boards across the country at a federal level. It's like the biggest problem. My eggs. Yeah, I think that the thing that Beyond Meat has been. I think we can look to Beyond Meat and um, in, in, I think Impossible Burgers, the Impossible Foods is the other company. Um, they've been doing a really good job because um, what they do is they they don't say they they break the the perception of what a, a what vegan food is and I mean obviously their patties are vegan but they cook it with um, they cook it with cheese and stuff like that all the time and it's it's not an issue for them. All right. And, um, one second. They. So what they do is, 
and I mean, I followed their Instagram and they put all these ingredients of traditional meat foods and they just replace the meat with, um, they replace the meat with um, Beyond Meat or Impossible Foods. And I think right. that has a huge impact because it, it uses the culture that it's in and then mm-hmm. it, it, it plays within that culture, it plays within those rules. Kind of like infiltrates it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's really smart. And if, mm-hmm. if you don't do that, then you're going to be at a loss because um, yeah. there there are um, there are companies that are going to push against it, and people don't want to give up their burgers because um, mm-hmm. like you need this message that you can be vegan, you, you can still be super unhealthy if you want to be, and you can still keep all your your cultural norms, um, but you don't have to eat meat for that. So it's it's really interesting. Another thing I think is for one of the big reasons that I've seen is that there's not enough protein on um, on like not having this stuff. But I still think like like an Indian person who eats like dal almost every day, I think dal is pretty good for like I mean it's no meat. It meats still has like way more protein on it for per hundred. 100 grams but um but yeah but for it's still moderately all pulses are moderately protein rich right and i think that was kind of okay not gonna lie but yeah that looks pretty good but i mean mm-hmm. still like like it tastes great okay personally i love it um <laughs> but <laughs> it's also um yeah it's also kind of protein rich just not as much as meat I don't think yeah. it was really yeah, it's, and it's yeah and it's good for the yeah. environment like like we worked oh my god he had zero cards okay sorry <laughs> like we worked for we we were at uh Icarusac, right and mm-hmm. so that's where our school was and their research was all about growing pulses in like in like areas with like where which are dry and stuff right yeah mm. The problem is though that you need that volume. So I think probably um, uh, 100 grams of dal has like a tenth of the protein that um, meat has. And so uh, meat is interesting. Because, no, um, I, I think There's it's probably a tenth yeah. because oh, um, okay. I think meat will be about 60% protein. And so yeah, so it'll be a It'll be a lot less. You need to eat like ten times as much dal to replace meat. Um, so, from a from a transport perspective, there are a lot of considerations. Where, mm-hmm. um, like, I was thinking about this. Um, maybe in in poorer countries, they they still need meat because, I mean, in any way that they grow their meat, because like you can't transport like ten times as much. You can't increase your transport budget by that much. And, Maybe maybe it would be good. Maybe it would be good to feed people ten times as much to get that amount of protein. But there are a lot of extra storage costs and all that that goes into it that mm-hmm. I was considering. But for for me, it's it's really easy to get all those proteins from yeah. from um, the dough. Well, I mean, like, good. Hello, go for it, Gotham. Okay, I was gonna say. Um, it also depends on how many more calories you're eating, eating like 10 times the amount of dal, right? Mm, right, right, right. 
and, there's and, and, lots of cards and, uh, now, for example. Right, right. So you will be getting a lot of calories. So I don't know how feasible it would be to eat like large quantities of example. Yeah, yeah it, it definitely depends on the the kind of lifestyle. Um, for, for me, it's not a, not an issue at all because I burn like I I think I burn all my calories off, and I have a lot of resting calories just to keep me going. Um, but but yeah, for the average person to eat to eat ten times as much, that will be an issue. They're just eating like a little bit of meat and some vegetables, and then they have to switch over to ten times the amount of. Um, of dull, yeah, that would definitely be a, an issue. Yeah, but you could still, yeah, I, you could still plan it out, right? And it's just, I see meat eating as kind of a lazy way of getting protein. Yeah, yeah is, it's definitely made me more creative after switching and cooking and stuff like that, and make sure I get yeah. everything. What, like, really scares me is, um, honestly, like, China and India, because the population is booming, like economy is growing, and the culture, the culture show, as far as I know, like little signs of like trends of cutting back on like meat consumption, and like eventually you're just gonna see like the cattle farms in Brazil just exporting to China instead of the U.S. Mm. That is fair. That is fair. But like, yeah, I don't know. But I think there still is like a lot of opportunities to optimize global supply chains because the environmental cost of like transporting food is not as much compared to like the cost of producing it and especially like producing it in kind of in regions where, I don't know, it's like more expensive to produce because I, I looked it up and like, in the food industry, like transport only accounts for five percent of emissions, whereas production is like sixty-eight percent. So, I don't know. Another opportunity there that I see. Really. Sorry. Fun times. I have a question for you guys about like obesity in America. Mm -hmm. What responsibility do you think the the federal government is this? You could call like. Epidemic. Epidemic. Okay, was it just for me or was he cracking? Yeah, yeah no, he cracked a bit. No, he cracked I'm sorry. Um, said a country like America where the obesity, obesity rates are so high, what responsibility does the federal government? That, that's a political question. I have no idea. I think, oh, like, the way, the way government in the U.S. is set up, I think the federal government can't do, hmm. Yeah, right. I think, up, I, like, in all countries. They right. could tax it, right? They could tax fast food. They could subsidize all they healthy eating. I definitely think that vegetables should be subsidized, fruits and vegetables, and that would, locally grown. Yeah, that would also boost the local industry for all of this stuff. Plus, it would also um, give them revenue because who are going to eat meat, they're still going to eat meat. And those government will just be getting more revenue from taxes, right? Yeah. 
think that's yeah. I think it's context makes a lot of sense. I feel like that's almost impossible to implement. There is no way. Yeah. Yeah. It would just immediately be. It's not popular, right? No one wants that. No one wants the government to take away your, your rights. Yeah. But they try to do anything like that. Is there a is there a um how do you call it a subsidy on on alternative meats like carbon carbon credits that they have? I know the government has big subsidies on corn and soy, like large ones, and and rice as well. And um, another thing they do is they'll like buy like a like a shit ton of food um in the form of like global aid from from like American uh, farmers and kind of like artificially prop up these like these kind of crops that way hmm. crazy. it's because like it's because like these like states in the like a lot of the states in the middle of the country have like not as many voters but still have like two seats in the Senate. So that's why like farmers have, I don't know, a weirdly large amount of power in like in DC. The food industry, I guess, maybe not farmers. Still a money making industry, right? So oh, yeah. they're really making money, they have. But yeah, Canada uh, actually, recent, well, not recently, two years ago, um, invested a lot of money to keep beyond meat there. Yeah, recently I was talking you, telling you about it, that there was like a, there was like kind of like a boom in Canadian Beyond Meat stuff, like everyone started bringing Beyond Meat stuff to, uh, to their menus, and I think it was really good. I mean, I've tried most of them, and and they're all right, uh, but yeah, I, I like to see the, I like the, I like that they're really trying. Yeah, I think but, that uh, the efficiency of, of um, of just producing with with vegetables, like the the, the Beyond Meat science is going to keep getting better, and they're going to keep and like Impossible Foods. Let's just bulk them together with Beyond Meat. Uh, it's that 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 science of making that perfect perfect patty, it's gonna keep getting better because they've controlled every aspect of it that makes it good, and they can tweak it around and they can make different versions, different kinds of meats. Soon, alternative meats will be able to make the Kobe meat and stuff like that. I, I think it, I, I'm very hopeful about this this future. But um, traditional meat can't evolve. All that it has is its political power. It's not scientific power. And I think that that makes a huge difference for me because really soon, like Beyond Meat just has to get in, and they're already in in my view pretty good for people to to have a a Beyond Meat burger instead of a traditional burger. So now, now next step is um, they're gonna they're gonna they still have to scale. They still have to get all the advantages of scale that the meat industry has. As soon as you apply that. And you have to apply two, three more years of science and making this process more efficient. Um, uh, then you're going to have a Beyond Meat patty that's going to taste as good or better 
than the most expensive meat patty that you can get in the grocery store, and it's going to be like a quarter of the price. And it's going to, that that gap is just going to keep getting more. And I think uh, that price difference is going to push a lot of people over to the alternative meats. And then then I think um, red meat we're going to see a huge difference in red meat. But I I don't think that um, you're going to have a, a top-down kind of political change, but it, it's going to be this 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 kind of um, switch, like industry-led innovation kind of thing. Mm-hmm. What do you so, guys think about lab-grown meat? I'm all excited for lab-grown meat. Like personally, I don't think like Beyond Meat tastes that good, but like I'm excited for lab-grown meat. Like because lab-grown it, meat won't have as much of the environmental mm-hmm. of regular meat. I feel like Wait, they'd be you like have as many of the what? Environment as much of an environmental. Mm-hmm. Be, I feel like right, it'd be right. it's it's a lot bigger of a cultural barrier to like get over. I feel like. Yeah, I think so too. Especially in America, there'd be a, a lot of like they're playing God kind of talk flying around. <laughs> I personally would switch to lab grown meat in like a heartbeat. Like I don't. It would right. I think that's a good alternative. It's like guilt free. So good. Like, get like sign me up honestly. But what if what about so just to think about it from a different perspective? What if we we invest in in getting um just farming meat and making that more carbon friendly? Do you mean with animals? Yeah, with animals. Like yeah. That's what Ewan was saying, right? It's like hard to. So yeah, you even yeah, spoke about how it can't evolve and stuff. Yeah, and but I'm sure there is, like, as, I don't know if we can see that. Like before with farmers, I don't know if a person who was farming in, in like during before in like 1800s could see like a tractor being used there, right? Yeah. And maybe, maybe we're in that stage where X machine would just be able to carbon neutrally harvest meat. Okay, so I'm gonna go on like a small bit of a tangent here, but um, in this in class by Jared Diamond, um, he taught, there's these, like a couple chapters about um, kind of like how corporate responsibility how that ties into like environment and how like where corporate interests lie and how we can like manipulate where corporate interests lie into like manipulating them into and manipulating corporations sorry into like being friendly to to the environment um and i feel like the meat industry and like the food industry has more than enough resources and has had more than enough time and is probably more than is like highly aware that of the environmental damage they're causing and the long-term damage to their own industry that they're causing with their practices. But I think they've probably like done the math and they've figured out that it's probably like like bottom line wise, it's probably better off for them, at least for now, to like stick to their practices. Um, Definitely. So I don't think we can like rely on the meat pack. I think they've had more than enough like opportunities, more than enough incentives. I don't think we can rely on them, my opinion, to like improve their practices. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think like, that. Mm-hmm. the only way is to run them out of business by just lowering the cost of Beyond Meat. Mm-hmm. The point where it's like you pay $2 for something Beyond Meat or you pay like 10 bucks for real meat. Exactly. And it's just mm-hmm. an easy choice at that point. Yeah. I think there will always be a market for real meat grown by a real animal, but I think it'll be a niche market. And I, I, I'm totally down for that. I, a cultural, preserving that culture as well of that different, that thing, sure. But I don't think that, um, I think it's super inefficient to use like meat, meat, like real meat as a staple for, for our nutrients and for our taste. And I think it's super unscientific. Um, for, for Ritik, I think definitely it's, it's possible to have it, right? Like I can totally imagine a farm that has a, a kind of a, a globe over it that sucks out all the carbon and all that. Um, the problem is, though, that um, these guys aren't at a level playing field. So they have no incentive to build something like that because I, do I invest like $100 million into this technology or do I invest invest a million dollars this year to get three more lobbyists that's going to persuade um, any political power to to keep my prices low or to to keep the subsidies low for the competitors. So that trade-off will never be for innovation. And this is actually, yeah, this is, comes back to the innovation thing again. It's it's always cheaper to keep going um, because like. How long am I going to be CEO for, right? It's going to be like five to 10 years, right? But this change, this innovation will be for like the 20 year advantage, but I'm, I'm going to be dead by then probably. Uh, I, don't, I really don't care. So they're not, going to, they're not going to want to make that change because that's not where the incentives are. The incentives are to, to keep improving their processes now and then um, to, to, keep, yeah, to keep improving their processes and then with yeah to just make slight improvements so that they look good to their shareholders and they increase shareholder value but if they're investing all this money that's like that's shareholder profits that they're investing and no shareholder is going to be on board for that they're gonna be like why don't you just spend one uh, percent of that and you um and yeah, just manipulate the system because that's that's a lot easier. Um, so I think that yeah, time will really put them at a competitive advantage. And yeah, it it is really too late. Like Rohan said, like if they if they were gonna um, if they were gonna innovate, they would have done it already. I feel like there might be a little bit more hope than we realize because there's like some companies that. Um, there are some companies that have like showed some really positive signs. Like, and if there are any of my, any of the TBB folks watching, they're gonna laugh here. But Chevron in New Guinea, Chevron, the oil company, um, they basically wanted to start drilling in New Guinea. Um, but they they realized the like kind of money they could lose from like the the bad publicity of like bad environmental practices, and also like the money they could lose from just like from just like destroying the environment in general. And they made like the long-term call to be like super green and super sustainable. And so the like the drilling operation in Chevron's drilling operation in New Guinea was like, is like such good at preservation that 
they like preserved the land so well that it was like almost like it was kind of like a wildlife reserve. They were like spotting oh. like rare types of birds and stuff like that. In the like the Yeah. And like I guess like they were able to convince the shareholders that it's like in their interest, but like doesn't always happen. Been ripped. Yeah. Yeah, it's un- unlikely, very unlikely. I agree. I agree now. Yeah. Do you think about you could instead of like a dome that covers a farm, you could much easy it would be much easier to have something like a genetically modified cow. There's a lot or it's carbon footprint. Less than a regular cow. Maybe they might move to something like that. Mm. But they'll still be like, 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 um, like Rohan said that it'll just be about playing God and GMOs are bad and all that stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, but the thing is, at least we have GMO. There's a lot of GMO things. Yeah, like fruits and vegetables. Uh, I feel like it's it's between natural and godlike. It's like the in between. Mm. It would still be pretty hard to sell. Yeah. Um. One more thing I was thinking about and wanted to ask is, what do you guys think about organic food? I think it's a marketing scam. To be honest. Yeah. I think it's a great marketing scam. I think like the certification like that you need, the kind of like the requirements you need for your thing to be called organic, they're like often so loose or unclear that it kind of defeats the purpose. And yeah. I think like with proper land management I don't know how much better um, organic is actually for like the soil and the environment because like also organic takes up a lot more land than conventional farming so you would have to create a lot more farmland you know and that means cutting down trees. I've seen papers that there's no sign that's a that say that there's no significant nutritional differences between organic food and regular food. Yeah, well, it's a purpose. Is that is that okay? Oh yeah, that is kind of the point, right? Oh, my bad. Sorry, I was thinking, I was thinking only that organics' point of view is just to be like less cruel. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, I kind of forgot about. Um, I kind of forgot about how it's supposedly better. I think organic meat, you can tell the difference. Something like an organic apple versus a regular apple. I feel like it's possible for people to even tell the difference. Would you yeah. possible or not possible? Not possible. I've I've often had an apple and it was like like just not that great. And I figured it was probably an organic apple. Whereas <laughs> like the apples that I eat and I'm like, God damn, this is like a big juicy sweet apple. And I know it's been like tampered with. Yeah. Yeah well I meant <laughs> Bet the other way. Mm. But when you eat an apple, that's organic. You're not like, wow, this is much better than like a regular apple. And like you said, it, right. in fact, the opposite. Right. But you're saying for meat, there's like a difference? For meat, I've noticed a difference. But I don't know if I, it's because I know that I'm eating organic meat. 
like when I buy organic chicken, like organic free range chicken compared to like regular chicken, I feel like I can taste the difference. I agree. Yeah, chicken I can, is like there's yeah. a big variability in chicken. But continue. Don't know. I don't know why I felt like that opinion was important. <laughs> <laughs> hey, in particular about my chicken. Okay, just like leave you alone. <laughs> Yeah, I think I still think that. But I also think that even with like saving the environment and being all that stuff, it's not. It's not just about like eliminating meat, which is which is good. If you can do that, it's great. But it's still a lot more about reduction, right? Yeah. And and, and like like Rohan was saying, he, he can be. He can. There are situations when he just has to have me, like if he's going out and there isn't a lot of options. Yeah. And if they have cooked meat at home or something like that, you can't. You don't want to like make them cook something else for you. So. Um, but, Definitely. Yeah, but yeah, it's still reduction is still better. Yeah, I think yeah. it depends on the culture too. For example, in India. I know, like, at least my extended family and stuff, they only eat meat, like, once a week. Mm. Just Sunday. And the rest of the days, they're just, they're fully vegetarian. Which is good. I feel like if you still want to eat meat, like you said, at least try to reduce it as much as you can. Yeah, I, so, yeah, I, I often focus myself where I thought, like, okay, there's no way that I'm ever going to completely switch. And I, I still don't believe that. I still believe that. I might go in and out and I would eat something if I really thought it was worth it. Um, back in South Africa, there was this this thing where that it, it was a platter of game meat. So I think it was like ostrich, springbok and and one other meat. And it was like wildly, like it was shot in the wild and it was brought there. So like for me, I, I see that I'm like, wow, that's that's worth eating. But um. For for a lot of the things, I would just be eating like just crap meat, and I know it's crap just because I I would eat it, and it's like eh, it's okay, and just because I thought that I'm never going to be able to completely quit, so I'm or completely stop, so I'm just going to have it all the time anyways. Um, whereas it's it's actually quite fun and interesting and challenging to to build like a a life culture around just eating plant-based or vegetarian and then whenever you want to just have the meat but only when it's really worth it but i feel like i was kind of a slave to this idea that eating meat is just something that i that i do every day for sure yeah you you were raised eating meat right i was what you were raised eating meat right yeah yeah Yeah, since i was a kid yeah I think that's why that's what that's what it's that's what it's difficult, right? Changing the so like Rohan said, yeah, like Rohan said, if we have it in our in our school system to promote veggies, then we'll probably have more demand for vegetar veggies though. Which is good. Captain, what do you think about mm -hmm. go ahead? Oh sorry, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, you're finishing your point, so you can finish. No, 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 I wanted to start something there, so you can start something there. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so about the bringing up with, um, bringing up with meeting, that's like such a big part of 
of my culture and my ideas. And I think a lot of people um, have their kids eat meat and milk and ghee for the, the heavy nutrients. What do you guys think about raising like a, a baby fully vegan from the start? Uh, I don't know. Work right. It shouldn't be. Won't be any different. I don't see how it could be any different. Hmm. Oh, vegan. Yeah, because. And the baby needs milk, right? So I feel like. Yeah, yeah, that would be. Oh, hard. Yeah. Besides, besides mother's milk. Yeah, besides mother's milk, I would. I would. Is mother's that. milk not vegan yeah no it isn't but I, it i was saying besides that to have Wait, besides of, not vegan? what is a human an animal yeah. you know so yeah if it comes from an what? animal then it, it can't be it can't be vegan look it up let's see what the internet it's vegetarian for sure and it's like it's ethical for sure but it's it like not vegan. Yeah, I see most of these things uh, categorized as only pollutants and vegan is like least pollutant and like something personal. Yeah. That, that's, that's an unfortunate kind of uh, connection that that's often made that like, or, or dualities of like veganism is good and non-veganism is bad. I think I find that to be really that it comes up really often and that it, um, it it kind of muddies the waters with this with with it and it makes it a really difficult conversation. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, mother's milk is definitely not vegan. Not vegan, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but other than yeah, that, and, good. And, and I think the major point would be transitioning from mother's milk back to to like to being like to just not having mother's milk anymore. And I think I don't know I don't know what would like here with my with my cousin we give him normal milk, right? So I guess mm-hmm. I don't know if one would want to give um give like almond milk then. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Well, the thing is, almond milk is still a, a product that feeds into a milk culture. Yeah. But if you if you raise a kid without a milk culture, you you would just basically mm-hmm. feed them whatever gives them that nutrients, and it'll eat that tastes good. Um, you don't have to give mm-hmm. them soy milk. You just have to give them like juice and whatever the kid wants. Hmm. Right on the dairy industrial complex. Yeah. So yeah, there's that other thing. Like after it's after it's a baby, does it really need milk? And I think there's a lot of evidence that suggests that that's not true. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Rohan agrees. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's like weird. Did you, do you see any other animals drinking milk as an adult like you don't? Yeah. Dude, milk is tasty, though. Like, that's something yeah. that I that mm-hmm. I, I can never refute, is that milk is damn tasty. You've been brainwashed by your college. I don't know what to say. That's a great point. I definitely don't drink milk anymore, but it's, it's like when I'm eating cereal with soy milk, it's just, it's bad. Because the yeah. fat just tastes good. Do it. Embrace the oat milk revolution, please. Yeah. No, I have, I have soy milk for sure. Dude, I eat this huge bowl of oatmeal every day. 
it, it's probably around like two kilograms of oatmeal that I eat. Um, <laughs> it's, it's heavy. It's heavy. Like I pick up the bowl and I, I need to almost use two hands. <laughs> Damn. That's crazy. Can you please move the boat? Okay, move the boat and Grohan will no longer have uh, the longest road. You win. Oh, yeah, where should I put the boat? Uh, just move it, like, friendly waters. <laughs> to help you, I <laughs> think not. not. So how many yeah, points but... are we playing, by the way? I have no idea. 15. That's 15. Yeah. So it's going to be a long game, guys. Oh, you and please finish the question. This is really close. But yeah. It's not that close. What do you mean? It's really close between you and Rohan. Between Gotham and, oh, between you and, and Rohan. It's a, it's a race for a second between Gotham and me. That's what it is. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm saying I'm happy. A race for third between me and Whipping. Yeah, no. I'm Dude, locked I'm in. Where am I supposed to go? Yeah. Where am I supposed I'm, to go? There's no me. space to grow, just oh, like man. the meat industry. <laughs> why would you do this? Why is going to get longest road? Yeah. No, but still, yeah, that's what. See, if you had, if you had moved the ship, I could have moved the boat. And blocked one of his set, put the settlement on one of his longest road thingy, and that would have blocked him. Yeah. No, now I told him my plan. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, guys, I need to be over at that. Um, but yeah, one more thing I was thinking about was no, no. innovation in um in 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 farming for plants and stuff as well. I think. I think that's kind of related to diet as well, and I'm all pro for hydroponics. I think hydroponics is definitely the future, and I'm a huge fan of how it's almost like completely soilless. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think? I really know enough about hydroponics. So uh, explain it. All right, fair, fair. All right. In my middle school, we had like a huge, like a bunch of hydroponic stations. For some reason, apparently we're ahead of the curve. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what that's what I think most people try to do, and it's still it looked hydroponics as like we said before. It'll definitely be used in space. Like if we're gonna ever colonize Mars, sure. we definitely need hydroponics. Um, and yeah, and I think. I think even just having a cure would make not needing so much land. Mm -hmm. And it'll kind of be like, um, kind of be like, kind of be like a local, like you can grow it in your backyard kind of type of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's where, I think they'll innovate that first and like, mm -hmm. it comes to weed and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Although. We have come full circle, people. Back yes. Psychedelic <laughs> <laughs> podcast part two. No, but I am actually going to pivot this entire conversation. I'm making about make it about space colonization. Should we actually like? Oh, never First. <laughs> I'm dancing, guys. I'm dancing. I won. Yeah, first oh, yeah. time without us helping. No, second time. 
second time. Yeah. Thank you very much I'll, for that, you guys. No, dude. No, dude. I remember this one time that I got to trash. I think you and Gotham. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I got them remember. Sure. Oh my god. I'm, I'm just like a perpetual second. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I move between first and last a lot. Mm-hmm. But I was going to pivot the whole conversation to like space colonization. And should we, um, should we like be focusing so much on colonizing Mars? Isn't it arguable that that kind of like psychologically it gives us an out and it like gives us an escape option from earth and we like as a result we wouldn't um like try to save the environment and save earth as much that is i think i think for sure like no matter what we need a, a second we need to diversify consciousness so we need if like Things miss Earth all the time, and um, like if if something hits Earth, and it might like we we go through this thing called the the Torrent Belt or something, um twice a year for twelve days, and that's just an asteroid belt that we're that we're walking through twice a year, and um I think for us to to think that something's not going to hit us is really naive. And so I think we should just definitely be on Mars. And it's not about, like, for me, it's not about um, not fixing the Earth. I think we should fix the Earth. Like, regardless of anything, we should be making the Earth more nice to live in. Right. Um, but we should definitely not be taking chances like this um, with human consciousness. Yeah, for sure. And um, one more case for, for colonization is also, it's kind of in, like, our... It's definitely in our nature, right, to colonize, and and it often leads to a lot of new research and stuff like that. Like when we discovered the new world, we got new stuff like tobacco. I think tobacco was new. Europeans did not have tobacco, and pineapple. Thank God new. for that. Yeah, thank God for that. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think pineapples was new. So yeah, definitely Mars will have like great resources that that are there that could maybe yeah that could help us a lot. So that's one more reason why I think colonization is good. Yeah, um, like, I don't think that Mars would give us an out really, because I think we're way closer to doing ourselves on Earth than we are, um, you know, being able to take a bunch of people and go live on Mars. I feel like we'll need to fix Earth either way, because yeah. using Mars is still like relatively pretty far off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think so. Okay, but compared to Earth getting screwed over by climate change, I think that's gonna come first. Yeah, I mean, Earth getting screwed over is definitely, but but like we're not doing that. Like we could just stop funding. Um. What do we say? We could just stop funding for Mars projects and research, I guess, nuclear fusion for better energy or stuff like that. But that's all. Nuclear fusion is hard, but colonizing, like, okay, okay, colonizing Mars is also hard. I don't want to say it's easy, but it's <laughs> easier than 
unlocking fusion technology, right? I mean, yeah. wh- while I agree that, like, it's always good to have, like, an innovative, like, pushing the boundaries kind of mindset, like, you look at civilizations that have kind of stopped looking outwards, you look at the Chinese, that's really how they started to decline. They, so mm-hmm. I think, like, we should definitely look outwards, but will we be able to create a self-sustaining Mars colony before the climate apocalypse comes? Or are those two even mutually exclusive? I I honestly don't think they are, like, now that I, like, step back and think about it. I don't think we can fix the climate apocalypse before we get to Mars. Which means, yeah, Mars. Okay, Elon uh, Musk said 2050. Yeah, I add. Wait, wait, wait. I know that's Elon time. I know. Leave Elon time. We can add 20 way. years to that. Sorry, we can add 20 years to that. Sorry, Rohan, I did not listen to what you were saying, but <laughs> just let me finish. Sorry. Um, yeah, we can add 20 years to that. And by 2070, for sure, by 2070, we can have one settlement, proper settlement, self sustaining settlement. I think we we have we have sorry sorry just one second Gotham we have the technology to do it right but we don't have the technology to solve the thing unless we give up I, I think unless, we, unless 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 sorry unless we give up our uh, our like luxurious life okay now you can say sorry. We have, we definitely have, sorry, we definitely have the, like, technology and resources to solve the climate apocalypse. We just don't have the, like, cultural and political will to do it. How so? Like, if we covered covered the Sahara Desert with solar panels, which is, like, like, you look at China's, like, budget surplus, that's something we can do. Uh, Like, that would be able to power the, like, power the earth, like, like, easily and, like, Mm-hmm. reactors you just like but if you like merge all the like supply chains of like uranium and stuff like that like we could make it work like we could definitely like solve at least the energy crisis like uh, that much at least we could yeah. definitely do okay one yeah. thing mining isn't mining uranium really pollutant i mean like kind of but like, they can figure it out man. is it is it the mining or is it the discarding of the the aftermath isn't it both yeah okay both i've heard about the like the production of energy and if you discard the nuclear waste it screws up the environment yeah just solar panels and stuff yeah i agree there's enough money in the world for this Mm -hmm. um i think definitely the 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 the, it's called the torrid medias meteor stream and um yeah one guy has on the on the joe Joe rogan podcast a journalist um, Graham Hancock has said that we're like we. It's definitely true that we pass through this. Um, we pass through this um, twice every year for 12 days, and he said it's like um, putting on a blindfold and walking over a a highway. And the 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 fact that we don't get hit, it's like purely coincidental every single time. And uh, apparently in 2015 on Halloween, um, we saw a meteor after it missed us. But it was a meteor of 500 meters in in diameter, and it missed us by the same distance from us to the moon. Um, so, and it's like that's pretty far, but that's close enough. Where and if you just take into account the randomness of the universe, that that's that's almost hitting. That's grazing the Earth. 
And um, there was one meteor that exploded over uh, someplace in Russia some time back. And I, I don't remember what it's called right now, but it it exploded with the same radius, devastating everything inside. It's the same um, circumference as London. So if it just randomly hit the Earth on London, then all of London would be gone right now. So we just we don't think about thing, these things because they're kind of abstract and they're not imminent threats. But I would almost I would allocate more money to to solving that and having some technology to redirect meteors to to detect and redirect meteors um, than I would to to redirect um, energy funding um, to stop climate change. I mean, for wow. for is climate change, it's kind of said. Uh, yeah, the torrid meteor stream. I'm trying to find an, an article about it. Um, but the thing with um, with the energy production, it's the same thing with like a, a lot of the meat stuff. It's that it, it has subsidies that protects it. So there are all those subsidies that go to to um, oil and coal companies. And I think we don't even need to invest money. We just have to stop those subsidies, and then the market will the market will eat up the the fossil fuel industry. People will just start making their own solar panels. Like it won't even be yeah. a thing. Um, I think the the the, the energy issue—it's it, you just just stop those subsidies and then and get new jobs for those people. It's like a really small thing, but if we get hit by a meteor, then that's like that's devastating. And it could hit the Earth off off its off its orbit. Like it can it can it can devastate the entire world. It can cause another ice age, and we're just not thinking about it at all. Um, but yeah, like I mean, if we, imagine like imagine within this next 50 years, we're able to get consciousness on Mars. That's like one man and one woman that are on Mars, and there's an ability to to keep a baby there. Um, just having that, and imagine Earth gets hit with another ice age. We will be thinking, thank God that we we settled here, because um, if we didn't, then the human race would would be would be completely extinct and all of our progress and uh, well probably mostly extinct hmm. yeah, I guess yeah go right there. yeah sorry go ahead go ahead go ahead no no go go okay to me the bigger question about colonization is yeah we're we definitely should colonize but should we colonize mars or should we colonize Venus? That is because, okay, why should we colonize Venus? It's closer. So, and volcano uh, one? Or is that Mercury? Mercury is the first one. Mercury, I don't think we can. It's mm -hmm. it's really out there. Because the Mercury is like, yeah, that's the hot one. Venus mm -hmm. is the second one. Okay. It's the, it's the, it's the one where sulfur, uh, H2SO4 rains. Ooh. <laughs> but, with Venus, but, but with Venus, but with Venus, we can build like cloud cities, like like in like in Star Wars, um, and and yeah, Venus is closer. Venus has more, um, like it has a lesser time, um, time. I'm forgetting the word for it. No, like. Like, you know how it takes two years for us to be able to send it again? To Mars? To Mars, yeah. Oh, time, win, like the window, like the window, 
or uh, when orbits oh. are closer. Yeah, yeah, we can't send it from Mars like any day. There's like a there's like a set of time when we can, and it's closer. Yeah, but don't you think we're much closer finding a way to live on Mars like, without H2SO4 rain and stuff like that? But are we though? Because it's equally difficult. We have no idea. The soil is toxic. Um, the sand gets everywhere. Our technology won't work because they have to. Well, it'll work because like we sent a rover there. Sorry, yeah. like our technology won't be like we'll have to be really yeah we'll have to be really efficient. There's dust storms. The question is: Is Venus less hazardous? Venus is equal. I think I think Venus is equally hazardous, but but there's definitely. I think people, most people, probably think that Venus is more uh, hazardous. That's why yes, we have not thought about Venus, and we have thought about Mars. I feel like the people in charge, the people who have any power, probably already thought about this. Yeah, that's what that's what that's what I think. That's why, and maybe maybe I have not researched it enough because uh, that's why I don't know. But because we have sent rovers to Mars as well, right? Uh, yeah. to sorry to Venus, sorry to Venus as well, right? Like we have made landing in Venus, and Venus landing is hard because, and if we can send like a machine to Venus, then I'm sure we can send other stuff. And also one more thing I wanted to say, I forgot, was Venus has a uh, very close, uh, the gravity is very close to that of uh, Earth than um, Mars. Than Mars, yeah. Is it stronger than Earth? I imagine what, Mars Venus? is less than Earth, yeah. No, yeah, Mars is, Mars is less and uh, Venus is, Venus is also less, but it's it's so closer. Venus is smaller than Earth. Venus is smaller than Earth? I'm pretty sure. Didn't know that. Yeah, it, they're really similar though. Like Mars is definitely smaller. And Venus is like similar, smaller, you know? Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I have a, um, I have a, uh, a quote here from fizz.org. Oh, can you guys? Am I still on the game? Yeah, you are. You just have to get Okay, so a study from Western University presents proof to the possible. Okay, this is like three paragraphs that I'll read. Proofs to the possibility of an incoming swarm of meteors likened to the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot by some extra extraterrestrial experts. This may indeed pose an existential risk to Earth and its inhabitants. When considering catalysts for catastrophic collision, there are two main sources, um, near-Earth objects like asteroids and meteoroids, and interlopers from the outer solar system, which are typically comets. Over the past few decades, a great deal of been and in cataloging more than the potentially hazardous um, near-Earth objects, and work is ongoing to detect catalog and track greater numbers of and smaller sizes of these objects. Um, the torrid swarm, that's the torrid meteor stream, is a third potential source of risk that changes the probabilities of possible catastrophic impacts. The Tunguska 
explosion of 1908, that's the one I was talking about, is considered a one in 1,000 year event, assuming a random distribution of events over time. But the torrid swarm, a dense cluster in the torrid meteorite stream, and through which the Earth periodically passes, changes the odds significantly and gives a possible reason for the unlikely occurrence that a once per 1,000 year event occurred just over a century ago. If the hypothesized um, might of the torrid swarm is successfully proven, this also heightens the possibility of a cluster of large impacts over a short period of time. So I can send you guys this link and there's, there's more information. But that's like, that's just, that's scary enough for me. And if you, if you look at all the work that needs to be done to solve that versus all the work that needs to be done to solve climate change, and I mean, I don't, I don't want to say that like no work is needed to solve climate change. Like there's some political work in just managing those subsidies and stuff. But for me, it 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 pales in comparison to the needs of of um to the needs of building the the technology to track and then build things that can redirect these comets as it's entering. Because we 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 can't destroy them. We need to we need to get near them and then um, like push them so that they um, push them so that they are miss out us. of our, so that they miss us, correct. So um, that's just, it's a, it's a lot more work to be done and I think it's a lot more urgent than climate change. And another thing that I was just thinking about that could kind of make sense is that with climate change, we as a citizen can do stuff, right? Mm-hmm. We can, we have the power to do stuff while with, I don't think we have the power to do stuff with meteor uh, deflection, right? Right. True. Yeah. So I think, I think if we focus more on, 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 um, yeah, on, on yeah, on what on we can if we can focus more on uh, environment and the government right. can focus more on um, on on the space stuff, then yeah, right. But we we are the government, man. Like we are, like yeah. if the government if the government sees like oh they don't care about this meteor stream, they're not gonna understand if we if we spend their tax dollars on it. Um, so we're not gonna care about it. Like humans do need to. I mean, of course, like we shouldn't be spending our every waking moment worrying if a meteor is going to hit us. Um, but it's definitely something we need to take charge on and push government for. I feel like solving the climate crisis is like relatively way easier, though. Like, can be done quickly. The right people in charge. Yeah, I feel like we can do both. We really tried. Yeah, but then. Of course, there's a there is a definitely a, there's definitely a different opportunity cost to it, right? So focus more on um, climate change and um, and energy production or oh sorry 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 focus more on climate change and on space exploration could result in a compromise in in what do we say uh let's just say for now infrastructure yeah 
But don't you think the long-term benefits of fixing climate change set that? Yeah, but um, do you want to drive your car with... I feel like we have everything we need, and it's pretty easy. Just that we don't want it. Like, the people in charge don't want it to be done. I think it's more of... um, I think for this, it's more about us as humans doing it together these two problems versus the other problems individual countries can handle you know like like i get i get i think um i think i think america could solve their um unemployment problems but they can't solve the world's energy crisis right Mm-hmm. I agree. Wait, also, sorry, just one second. How mm-hmm. do, Rohan, how do you have one on 3-6 and not have a road? I place a ship first and then I move the ship. Oh, I swear I'm, I was tripping. I was like, how? channeled my one CS course that I took and like, I did it. Ah, okay, they taught you that. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Uh, back to the topic. I think Ewan was saying something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, like, very poorly read on this. So I'm just going to, like, give you guys the floor. It's something that oh, we're okay. into, for sure. So, like, I'm just in it for the ride. Like, this is wild. I didn't hear about the, like, the comment thing. Like, that's wild. Oh, yeah. Dude, look, um, I, I can send some um, podcasts over, but this Graham Hancock guy, um, him and this other guy called Randall something, mm-hmm. Randall Carlston, um, they, they do a lot of research together. And um, Graham Hancock thinks that there was a, a lost civilization of humans that are more advanced um, that died out in a... Uh, a comet impact and that because um and we don't remember them and this totally makes sense to me because um what what would happen right now to us if if there was this huge comet impact that destroys most of our infrastructure um what happens then like what's proof that we had this conversation it's digital right it's stored on hard drives hard drives don't survive comets so if there was a um, civilization that was advanced in the past, they would also not be using stone tablets, just the same way that we don't use stone tablets today. Um, so it, finding evidence for them is quite difficult because all the evidence would be destroyed. And um, it's, um, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of things about, um, about who, about reasons why why we continued, reasons why we don't remember. Um, but they, there's just so, many, so much evidence if you look at megalithic structures, old large structures, and if you look at just things like that where it seems like they had a lot, more, a lot of knowledge for hunter-gatherers, which we assume that they are. Um, yeah, there's, there's just 
there's a lot of stuff to uncover there. And I want to read his book. He has one book called Fingerprints of the Gods, and then another one that he wrote as a follow-up called um, Magicians of the Gods. And mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading it because um, I think it's, it's going to blow my mind. So that's interesting. So I, I was just about to ask, like, I feel like we, if there's a more advanced civilization, there would be, like, physical evidence. But that civilization being... Um, that civilization being, like, actually the hunter-gatherers would be, like... That might check out, you know. It's yeah. cool. Like, yeah, there's... He thinks that um, this advent of agriculture that we see, that just comes out of Mesopotamia, um, uh, 3,000, 4, 5,000 years ago, um, he thinks that it's strange that they suddenly just know how to build stuff and how to do agriculture. Um, of course, there are explanations for this, um, but he thinks that that it's unlikely that 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 they can just that they would just randomly come up with this. I mean, I I I know the story. I've I've been taught like okay, there were these women that realized that if you put seeds in the ground, um, that it grows, and there there is an explanation. But to to do large scale farming suddenly is something that seems weird to him, and. And one theory is that um, if if a comet strikes now, none of us would be able to live in the world, right? Right. But there are societies in the world today that are able to live um, in just in the wild. Mm-hmm. Um, they're able to hunt and gather, and they're able to survive just with with nature. So, um, what's what is a survival strategy for? Um, for humans, um, oh, wait, wait, can anyone give me a break? I don't have. Okay. I don't think anyone does. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what, what is survival strategy for you and me if, there, if we know that there's going to be this huge comet striking that's going to wipe out all of our way of life? I would think that the survival strategy is to find hunter-gatherers and integrate with them and then teach them some of the things that we know, but then basically just live with them and then live out our days and then the human race survives. So right. there are theories that there, that an, an older civilization knew that there was going to be a, a massive event and that they went and they lived with more primitive people who obviously have no way of remembering um, the old, the more advanced civilization. And so they regarded them as, as gods in their mythology. Um, and we we still see that um, mythology alive today. No way. I mean, yeah, like uh, we 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 um, they all these all these old cultures they they have stories about these these gods and these influencers and these teachers who um, imparted knowledge, and so. A lot of people just think that's stories of the gods, and a lot of people think that's aliens. But um, what Graham Hancock would assert is that it's just the old human civilization, and that's why we um, we see that in South America they thought that the, when the humans came, when <laughs> not when the humans came, when the when the when the, wow, the, when the white guys came <laughs> to finally bring peace over there, <laughs> no, when the when the when the Europeans came, that they they regarded them as gods because maybe that's something that they have seen before that they related to in their in their mythology. Um, 
there's just there's a lot of weird things like this that don't really fit in our our normal story that that humans are only three thousand years old. Yeah, that's interesting. I I feel like for any civilization to be that advanced, they would need a certain um they would need a certain amount of like and just like plurality. And I feel like there should be physical evidence of that, shouldn't there? Um, what do you mean by plurality? Like there should just be like a lot of people because like I feel like for a civilization to get advanced, you need like lots of people so that like the chance someone innovates and comes up with like an idea is high. Yeah, or well, that naturally population boosts with more resources. That makes sense. Yeah, but like so shouldn't there be like evidence of that? Because like the populations of hunter-gatherers that doesn't like according to like fossils and stuff like that that doesn't add up with like what you would need to have an advance to like a technologically at least in our sort of framework that kind yeah. of an advanced think, civilization um one of the one of the things that um, and I, I don't know the details of this but i know that for archaeological digs um they only they only go so deep and mm-hmm. that's literally uh that's deep in a literal sense um so they um and they would only go um three thousand years so to speak deep um because that's where all the humans are obviously so um why would they go another five ten thousand years deeper into the ground when we know when we quote know that um there's nothing to be found there um that's interesting so yeah, I, I do, it's like I mean I don't know how how accurate Graham Hancock is about this, but he talks about a a real real kind of ideology that mm-hmm. exists um, mm-hmm. in in archaeology and where like I mean I mean it totally makes sense with the incentives right like if if I'm an archaeology student or an Egyptology student and I'm I'm applying for a grant to do some research and you're a university and you and you want me to find um, relevant research. Why would you give me money to search somewhere where I'm not where I'm not gonna find anything? You know what I mean? So there is this there is this idea that there there is this true story of human beings, and if if you're not gonna look for more information in that true story, then you're not gonna be funded, and your career is gonna suffer. Um, mm-hmm. So it's unlike science, where we don't really have a full. I mean, we have somewhat of an idea. Um, but in science, it's more just like, okay, we actually find out a lot more stuff. But for human origin stories, um, we really, we have this feeling that we know what's going on. We know the full story. Um, and so no, no research is um, funded for um, stories outside of that narrative. Okay, I have a couple of things. This. Um, you said that we don't dig deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like you have paleontologists, right? Mm-hmm. Digging deeper. Oh, that's they, true. They're, they're right, right, all the way up to the dinosaurs. Then right. they stumble upon like a like a building from this era or something. Okay, that's my first question. And then my second question is: He said that he thinks that they're more advanced than us. Hmm. Um, wouldn't we find some sort of evidence, like in our solar system, that you know, like they went mm-hmm. to space, they went to Mars, or like there's a satellite floating around or something? And then my third issue is, 
a comet really did strike and wipe out this whole civilization, I feel like we'd find evidence of animals and we'd find evidence of um, this comet that hit, right? Because it would have to be a pretty big comet to just wipe out all the humans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, um, and like, I haven't done a lot of this research, but um, one thing is that there was this um, mass extinction of large mammals. And um, the current story is that that's because of humans expanding into the area. But there, there are um, examples found, and apparently there are a lot of examples. And um, this is something that they show on the podcast, but they say there's a lot more evidence of this, where you see um, like mammoths who are who died in a way where it looks like their body was shot off of their legs, um, which which would require. So there, there's a lot of evidence of these um, things being hunted, right? There's a lot of evidence of them being hunted. So they think that they were hunted for sure, but there are there's evidence of animals that died in these huge, like horrific kind of explosion deaths that would be explained by a comet. Um, I know there's also ongoing research about like, uh, and this is like a geology thing, but about um, um, elements that are spread. And I think they talk about platinum as one of those elements that's spread around like large areas as if it was a, a comet. Um, um, I don't know about space exploration. Actually, one of the huge um, pieces of evidence that um, Graham Hancock talks about a lot is um, knowledge of um, knowledge of space that that is an evidence of an older civilization. Not exactly um, not exactly um, exp physical exploration of space, but because I don't I don't know if um, if you would always find stuff that's in space as evidence of exploration, um, but um, what was I going to say? There's so just like in the way that the the pyramids are built, the way that the Sphinx is placed, it's it shows great um, um, astronomical um, literacy, and so that's something that he he quotes a lot. And they talk about putting um, putting stories in the stars because over time. All monuments will die, but um, the stars will remain the same to anyone with astronomical knowledge and astronomical as in um, knowledge of space. So um, there is a theory that they they would use um, that they would use space as a as kind of a monument and stories about space to to tell people that they that they existed and there was knowledge. Um, there's stuff so about the, the pyramids' um, dimensions, also relating to a lot of like um, cycles that the Earth does in in the galaxy and the size of the Earth. And I find an issue with so is he saying that humans emerged earlier than we believe? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't we find like evolutionary evidence of that? Like we'd find yeah. we'd find um, fossils of like the humans except from way before fossils that of early humans that we find now 
you have to find it like six, like five thousand years before or something. Yeah, I feel like they found fossils of like humans in the different stages of evolution, and that's one of the ways they like made that timeline. Right. Timeline or the timeline that. Then the timeline of like when when humans were like fully evolved and. Yeah, I mean the timeline that we believe in, or the timeline. Yeah, that, the timeline like, we believe in. The, the yeah. consensus, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like if there was this advanced civilization, we would have found evidence of it. I know. I kind of. So we found evidence of like, like random other things, right? Like <laughs> things that like don't Wait. receive a physical. One sec. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. All right. All right. Side note: Like, where did Joe Rogan find these people for his podcast? Picks them on streets, shows them as experts. I'm kidding. I don't know. I think it's something. Okay, he, definitely, he definitely has a team. Yeah. Our team is, our team has got them. Me off about Graham Hancock is the the first thing that came up when I searched him up was that he's a pseudoscientist. Yikes! Nice. <laughs> yeah. 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 Definitely. If to me, one big problem is. If they're so smarter than us, and they know that um, a meteor is coming or something, wouldn't they plan, like, build, like, a lead-based safe to store all the data? Like, I feel like even if they didn't, you would find something. Yeah. Like, some... some Well, if they are... Yeah, if they are advanced enough, we know enough to... Like we have sent message to space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we're like we're we're noobs, and they're yeah. advanced. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's why I can't buy this whole thing. Like we have things that would survive like a big right. bomb apocalypse. Yeah. Kind of thing. I mean, you'd find you'd find our rover on Mars. You'd find yeah, like you'd find our rover on Mars. Yeah. Right. Right. You'd see the ISS. You'd see the space junk we have. Yeah. I feel like. Even oh, especially for a civilization that's theoretically that advanced. I mean, yeah, there's no way. Maybe, yeah, maybe what I could see is maybe we were advancing like super quick, super well, then a meteor stuck and that just slowed the growth. But for a meteor to wipe out everybody on like the yeah. earth, you would, you would see evidence. Like we see the dinosaur, yeah. like we yeah. basically know where it hit. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. Well, I think that there's there's different. There was the the dinosaur hit, and then there were. I uh, again, like I really don't know, but I don't think that they they think that the ancient civilization coexisted with the dinosaurs. Oh, that's not what uh, I mean. I meant. Oh, so, okay, cool. Sorry, sorry. I I may have, I misheard that then. Right. So I meant we we know there's we've seen evidence of a meteor that big, right? We found where it hit. We found the crater, and we were like, okay. This a meteor this big came down, hit, and wiped out all the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. I find it hard to believe that we haven't found the meteor that came down and hit and wiped out all these advanced humans. Because yeah, it, it would have been more research re- recent as well. Yeah, so it would be easier to one easier to find mm-hmm. because it was more recent, like way way more recent. Like because dinosaurs were what like million hundreds of millions of years. Correct. No, I don't I don't know, but like millions of years, right? scale 
this would have mm-hmm. to be within the tens of thousands of years. That. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's some um, yeah, it's a few thousand years ago. Yeah. Um, it's it's really weird because I actually think that the reason why and be, this is actually going to be kind of confusing, but I think the reason why we can't find that that comet strike is because um, the flooding would have would have changed the terrain such that we can't examine it. But then I don't know if there's so much changing in the terrain why we can see the, the comet that hit the dinosaurs. So I'm not actually sure. This is kind of confusing to me. I don't know what the evidence is of the, the comet hitting the dinosaurs. Um, because I know that a huge issue that they talk about just in general with any of these land studies, and even in the debates that they have, like everyone agrees that it's really hard to date impacts and to date um, things because of how much the terrain moves around. And yeah. so you have like a bit of terrain that's like this much years old and the same terrain. Um, you have a sample that's like a, a, a lot older. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'm not actually sure how, how that is solved. Right. But for the dinosaur thing, there's another like piece of evidence, which is if you look at the layers of, um, of the rock, the ground, right? Mm-hmm. Find a layer. I don't know if this is the right name. I want to say iridium. I don't know if that's an actual thing. You'll find. You'll I've heard of iridium. Find a layer of this of this element that's not commonly found on Earth, but is commonly found on comets, which is like mm-hmm. another. That it was a comet or like an asteroid that came down and hit. Yeah, they talk about this in the in the park. The iridium samples. Yeah, so I, yeah, that's why I'm saying like we would have I feel like we would have found something similar to this, right? Yeah, I think more information will definitely be found in the future. But um, like um, but yeah, it because it, it's obviously it's still being studied and people don't really look for it if they they don't have a hypothesis for it and I think that interest is building but um, talking about like evidence of older civilizations and older technologies like I, I haven't seen the pyramids in person but when I see pictures it's just strange to me it looks like it it looks unreal and so just seeing it, it's like, like if, if, if I've never heard of the pyramids and so, someone showed me a picture of it, I would immediately think it's a fake photograph. I'd be like, there's no way that this large thing exists. Um, but we know it exists, right? And people have been studying it for a while. So there's that one level of it where we're like, holy crap, what is this? And there's a second level of, okay, what's the logistics of actually moving those stones? What, and like not only the pyramids, but all the surrounding um, monuments as well. Like there's this entrance part that has like a massive stone on top of two stones, and it's just it would be really, really, really hard to lift that without like a crane, without all these other technologies. So, and without asserting what those technologies probably are, um, we can think that there was something else going on um, to make this, and that. These are monuments, which are artifacts. That we're like, like ima- ima- imagine we come out and we're like, okay, here's evidence of an older civilization with these tools and stuff. Like, let's imagine we find that. We'd be like, of course, the pyramids were evidence for that. Like, it's so stunningly clear. 
I mean, yeah, but I feel like A, we've carbon dated the pyramids and B, we, I mean, there's like picture evidence of, or like hieroglyphics of, of like how they built them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so we kind of know. Really interesting thing, like really interesting thing about the, the pyramids is it's undisputed that there was work done on the pyramids um, 2,500 years ago. It's undisputed mm-hmm. that there was work done in the area exactly because of that carbon dating. Um, but um, I think there are certain parts of that area have these things called restoration stones where people in that time place a stone to indicate that they've restored a part of it, like the temple right. or a part of the Sphinx. Mm-hmm. And so they put restoration stones in that time. Mm-hmm. So why would you put a a restoration stone on something that you've just built. So th- that's kind of, that's one element of it. And um, um, yeah, so there's this other evidence by a, a, um, by a professor called um, Robert Schock. Um, and he, he's a geologist, not an Egyptolo- Egyptologist at all. And he went to Egypt and he saw the Sphinx. And not only on the Sphinx's body, which has been renovated a lot, but in this kind of pit, um, the stone pit that's around the Sphinx, um, there is clear evidence of water erosion. And, what, and he asserts that that's rain erosion because of its nature. I don't know the exact specifics of it, um, but there is evidence of rain erosion on the Sphinx. And it hasn't rained in that area in some 8,000 years. So, um, and I'm, I'm, I may be botching up the specifics here, but the, the, the consequence of that is that the Sphinx existed during a time where it was raining in, in, the, in the area where it exists. And um, that's not, it wasn't raining in the time that we think it was built or any time after it was built. So there's that other piece of evidence that, that that's really telling as evidence for the fact that it was built much earlier. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, this all intends. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard to, hard for me to imagine it. I think I could imagine, like, what I could say is going back to it, like, okay, maybe this is not 100% true, maybe it is, but maybe it's not, and we have, we still have caution that maybe there was a meteor, and it slowed us back, and, like, by, like, a, by, like, 2,000 years, and that's still really scary, because all of 2,000 years is growth, just gone, so there's definitely, going back to our space colonization stuff, that there's definitely incentive for, for like, a plan B. And that plan B is, is, I still think, is more important than, than our plan A. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Dude, I'm, I'm, you, I'm, I'm kind of really sick about any systems that exist right now. It just seems like we're, we're running and we're, we're, we're sprinting off of a cliff right now. And there, there doesn't seem to be a future in current systems um, mm-hmm. just because of the non-scientific way of thinking, mm-hmm. the ideology-driven 
the two-party system, the, like even with just social media, people just really being distracted with things that don't matter at all or that don't have, uh, I would say, cosmic significance or long-term significance. It just seems like this is this will definitely come to an end. And when it comes to an end, it'll be, um, we'll need, you'll need to birth something really different. And um, yeah, just diversifying, having a modest colony, having other other possibilities in place um, is really important. Yeah, but is sure. like preserving human consciousness and protecting that, like why is that so important? Um, one thing would just be, and I think this is Elon Musk's point for it, is because it's it seems to be extremely rare. Uh, it seems to be extremely rare in the universe for this to come up. So it's um, it's not like um, preserving uh, like Indian consciousness or preserving like American, because like okay, it's not that different from the other consciousnesses that exist um, in in the world, and um, there are plenty of them. Or but preserving human intelligence. That seems to be something that doesn't just show up every every now and then, and definitely not in our observable universe, which is very large. Or, and then in the observable universe, the other one that probably exists, the other human civilization that exists, we're both outside of each other's observable universes. And, and I mean, we're probably in the same universe. That's fine, but we're so far from each other that light hasn't, our each other's light hasn't reached yet. So. It's extremely far, it's extremely rare, and rare things should be preserved. So we should have a plan B to preserve this. And well, and so that there's that one aspect of it. And the other thing is that the, the only thing that gives meaning to anything is human. We're the only ones that, that, that really care. Oh crap, how do I undo this? But isn't like, and I'm kind of pivoting into philosophy here, like I love to do, but isn't, I don't know, what's so special about like having meaning and like consciousness and things like existing out of the ordinary, I suppose. And they're like a sort of like simple beauty to just like, I don't know, just like raw, vast, like emptiness. So, like, um, I guess my question the, is like, yeah. why is like, mm -hmm. I'm kind of questioning the whole thing of like, is humanity good? Should we, is it like somehow like morally justifiable in some sort of objective way that we like continue to exist? Yeah, so the, what I would say to that is the, um, the only thing that gives meaning is us. Mm -hmm. um, so with without us there is no no meaning at all so not saying that's important but um like human human life is almost like human life is almost by definition meaningful because we're the only ones that give meaning we're the source of meaning in the universe um so unless we we toss out the idea of meaning altogether then uh, it's meaningful to have humans yeah, I don't know. I agree I too. Like that's the question. Like, I don't know. What's so great about meaning? Yeah. That 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 would be the that would be the 
the, mm-hmm. the correct question. Um, I think, like, I mean, as a species, we're we're designed to survive, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Like all species, like it's built. Yeah, like in like any any animal, your essential job is to your only job really is to survive and reproduce. And it's like it's hardwired into us live right and so we will try everything we can possibly do and even if that means going to mars gets hit by a meteor like that's what we will do right? but is it is it theoretically possible that like our consciousness outgrows that evolutionary like hardwiring yeah yeah and we yeah. transcend yeah is it i like i honestly don't know and that that's honestly a field that fascinates me like the fusion of like evolutionary neuroscience and like philosophy kind of love that mm. stuff. yeah because definitely like i i can have an i can have an instinct to do something but i can be like ah no nah, i don't want to do that mm-hmm. so we're, we're definitely not tied to our to our base instincts anymore and we've right. we've we have evolved past that um one base instinct that never changes is surviving well, I mean, you can you can argue that a lot of people sacrifice themselves for others, mm-hmm. and that that may be evidence for um, the the base instinct, like the the consciousness transcending the base instinct. But I would yeah. I would still argue that um, we have this, um, like even if you just look at all the species that exist in the world, like animal and not any living being, and we're the only ones. Like of course we we killed competitors, right? And we merged with other competitors, but um, we're the only consciousness that has evolved just on this planet and in our observable universe. So just that the fact that it's rare again gives it meaning. But the um, the problem of meaning still persists. And then um, we can we can look at the all the unknowns that exist in our in our origin story. Now again, going back to the pyramids and stuff like that, this all of those unknowns that exist and thinking like okay what if we're a part of a a million year legacy or a and so maybe maybe that's also meaningless but i think it's it's a lot easier to throw away a three thousand year old civilization than it is to throw out like a three million year old civilization so what if we don't we haven't figured it out yet but what if we are the we we're the we're the ones carrying this over I mean, there's there's obviously like a lot of other stories about how we came to be. Um, one story is like conversely that we came from Mars, and that the the the, the group of scientists that um, the group of scientists obviously died out, and over the thousands of generations, we've forgotten the origin story. Um, but th- there there's just a lot of evidence that that we are significant and older than we thought. And um, just just killing that off would, would would seem like a pity to me. I mean, yeah, it seems like a like a waste of time too, right? For mm-hmm. sure, but like I don't know, there is no objective truth and all that. But we have hit two hours, guys, and we're feature length at this point. And while I am like kind of proud of that in my own weird way, I feel like we should wrap it up. Of how this all started from diet. And ended up the meaning of meaning. <laughs> well, the Egyptians did have a very interesting diet. Hey, hey, hold on, hold on. Hey, and he ties it back together. There we go.
I think the game recording stopped at two hours. Let me just start that up again. Okay. This game I is cursed. I know it is. I'm game so glad me. that I took away. It's just sevens. It was like three sevens in a row. There was six times in last eight turns we rolled seven. Um, you also knighted me six times. <laughs> yes, that. that is worth it. That was worth it. That's what you get for knighting me five times. Five times, yeah. <laughs> oh, and there's another seven. Here we go. Yeah. Um, well, well, yeah, I guess like that's the show. We hope you guys liked it. Um, we're still figuring out the name because like there are other Paradox <laughs> podcasts out there. So the search continues. But um, yeah, and we're probably going to upload like the first episode this weekend. Um, so that's fun. And hope you know yeah. this is not live. This is not live? Yeah, because, uh, like, we can cut this part out, um, and we <laughs> will, but, yeah, I don't think we should tell them that we'll upload our first video soon when we Why? haven't uploaded our... Because when we haven't uploaded the first one, who's going to oh. know that? Who can know like this? For the atmosphere. Okay, whatever. We so, can... <laughs> we're going to upload the first one, then the second one, and in the second one, we tell them that we... That yeah, we're going to upload the first, first one. one. <laughs> it's just like That's the, the true paradox. Yeah. There's a true <laughs> paradox. <laughs> okay, um, maybe we won't cut this. <laughs> like, oh, I'm not, I'm just confused. Well, I mean, like... A part of me kind of wants to like, finish the game and show everyone how that like shakes out. Like how no, many I more think... are we gonna roll? Stop, dude! <laughs> I don't think we need to finish this game. I like no, the first have... game. We should finish the game for sure. But I don't know if we should continue recording. Oh man, it was painful. This game is painful. This game kind of hurts. It's yeah. still like anyone's game. Like... It hurts my soul. Yeah. It is still anyone's game. Rohan can't land anymore. I would have taken that deal, Rohan. Nah. Rohan, there are, there, 14. There are a lot of theories that, um, and this is way out there. And So, like, Graham Hancock has, um, he speculates based on evidence, but there are also other theories, like the, the Venus art theory, that are, like, there are... They have some base, but they're closer to conspiracy theories. Um, so there's um, there's one theory that there, like that a an alien civilization or a future slash deep past um, human um, strain civilization has seen us, and they saw like, hey, look at these monkeys, like some few million years ago. Look at these monkeys. They're on they're on the same evolutionary path that we are. Let's inject them with some of our DNA and kind of give them a boost. And that's what gave us a competitive advantage. I don't know what the evidence is for that, but a lot of people definitely think that our origins, our genetic origins were um, tampered with for different reasons. But yeah, I actually don't know the, the evidence for that. So, Gatham, do you want to know? Yeah. Is on next week's topic. I heard. <laughs> what did you say? Do you want it? <laughs> <laughs>
so confused. You want to tell us what our next week's topic is? I do. Next week's topic is weird. I just wanted to talk about China. Oh, yes. Yes, let's there go. Because yeah, you guys know history, go. right? I want, I want to get like a full timeline of what happened and what's going to happen. Let's right. go, dude. I'm down. Have you watched the fight Three Kingdoms video? Yeah. Yeah, no, I want to start from there and get us to like more than China? No, like right. the future, like 30 years, from now, 30 years from now. Oh, it would be perfect if, if you were playing. If you were playing Victoria, if you were Hearts of Iron. Oh, yeah. Can. I mean, you can stream it and you and I can watch. No, that'll be boring. But. But yeah, that was okay, that's that was topic. pretty much. I'm pretty sure that was most of China, just a constant civil war. Okay, Rohan, don't do it. Rohan, don't do oh, it. Oh, holy shit! It. All right, gender misery. All right, outro now. That was only 59 minutes. Not gonna lie. Even only. Dude, we have played for one hour 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, we have had longer games. Okay. Like longer. Game. okay, guys, I haven't eaten dinner yet. It's midnight. Outro now. Thanks for watching. <laughs> Frosting. Frosting is the way oh. to go. We didn't even talk about that in this health podcast. Oh, Frosting is the way to go. Don't eat. Don't <laughs> eat, Rohan. It's midnight. Don't eat. Yeah, that's, no, that's actually really something sorry. we did not talk about in the diet. Elon said no. In intermittent fasting, we'll have to wait till fucking day after tomorrow. Goodbye. Yeah. All right. See you guys. Bye, guys. Okay, wait, Rithik. We gotta go. I have to, like, leave.